Listen now to the word of the Lord. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider it and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, here we are waiting patiently for your message. Open our ears and our hearts so we can let in the warmth and wisdom that come from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Grace Lay. <laughs> it's been um, exactly two and a half years um, since I last saw you all, and I see a lot of familiar faces. Um, for those who do not know me, my name is Han Shin, um, and I'm not sure how much Pastor David um, mentions this, but Graceway is a teaching church, um, meaning the church creates space for, you know, um, budding pastors to have ministry experiences. Um, so when I was a seminary student in 2019, I participated as an intern um, in the children's ministry. Um, and then in December 2019, um, some of you might remember, but you all sent me off with your blessings to my next ministry place in North Carolina. Um, it was nice there. Um, and I actually um, <laughs> brought the gift you gave me. <laughs> this is what you got me last time, a t-shirt with the state of New Jersey on it um, so that I won't... Um, Forget about the care and love you provided for me. And here I am back in New Jersey as a hospice chaplain, um, you know, with newly gained wisdom and some experiences to share with you all. Um, I believe that Graceway and my growth as a servant of Christ demonstrate the Christian practice of discipleship, um, teaching and encouraging and also um, supervising, which Pastor David and a lot of you have done, and, you know, making improvements. They all stay at the heart of um, being Christian, and it, it can only take place in a community that is lively and caring. Um, I know COVID has affected so many churches, um, and my church is going through that, too, um, and, you know, we, we continue to struggle um, even as we try to regain normalcy in our life. So um, may we keep, keep lifting up prayers for the life of the church and for its restoration. Um, so, you know, the past few years have been a challenge for all of us. And now when we finally seem to have returned to somewhat of normalcy, um, you see the economy is doing poorly and the prices are soaring. Um, I mean, every time I go past the gas station, I'm like, it's unbelievable. Um, it almost seems that uh, we keep hitting roadblocks year after year. Um, yet, we know that this, um, 
the very existence of struggle is expected in our life um, on earth, as Jesus says in John 16. Um, um, he says, in the world you will have tribulation. Um, and here we are indeed going through one of many tribulations. Um, the word tribulation or persecution as used in some other trans translations, they are big words. Um, when we think of these words, we think of the context such as Christian persecution. Um, and that is correct. Um, Jesus did speak these words in regard to upcoming suffering that his disciples would go through after his ascension. Um, nevertheless, I still think we can rightfully call anything that gets in the way between God and us tribulation. Um, so now I you know, wanna ask you a few questions. How many of you, and um, I want you to raise your hands, how many of you in the past year knew someone who got sick or you know, got sick yourself? almost everybody. Um, how about, um, you know, how many of you experienced a sleepless night because of whatever was going on in your life? Yeah, I still see a lot of hands. Um, well, that is the nature of life. I mean, we get sick and we experience anxiety and worries and, you know, we spend some nights, you know, tossing and turning. Um, and David, um, the one we read today in Psalm 13, was having one of those moments. Um, and for him, it was more of a long stretch of period that he was experiencing that. Um, and David cried out, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Um, David was in so much anguish that he felt as though God had forgotten about him. Then he exclaims, how long will you hide your face from me. Um, the word God's face was used to describe the source of God's protection and blessing. Um, I'm trying to have you um, remember, but in the priestly blessing, and that is the one that we often use in benediction, we ask that God makes his face to shine upon us um, and that God lift his countenance upon us. So for David to say that God hid his face meant that he didn't feel God's support. What an, I don't know, utterly sad and scary place to be, um, a place where you don't feel God's presence. David was in the midst of it, and I believe some of us in this room might be in that place in this very moment. As I have mentioned briefly, um, after I left Graceway, I headed to North Carolina to train as a chaplain. Um, chaplains serve in specialized ministries such as prisons, hospitals, um, and a lot of times um, in the military. Um, I was drawn to this kind of ministry because I had a strong desire to understand the human reality of tribulation or the reality of suffering. Similar to myself, um, much of theology started from an effort to understand our existence, where do we come from, how is this world is made, and the conditions that life presents to us, whether it be good or bad. We as you know, Reformed Christians um, understand the Bible 
to tell a story of God's redemptive work through Christ in this world. And it moves from the creation and then the fall and finally to the salvation. In the core of this history stands the concept of sin. We say sin entered the world causing pain, suffering, and death. All my life, I knew this very well. I mean, um, I'm from Korea. If any of you know Korean churches, you understand that they drill this into you. Sin versus Christ's salvation. So logically and theologically, I had the answer to my question of why do we suffer? Um, Yet my heart desired more understanding. So I moved closer toward pain and suffering. Hospitals were a good place to start. Um, Illnesses cause pain. Pain caused emotional and spiritual suffering. And then I kept going, you know, moving even closer and closer. And I found myself in hospice. Here, I found death. Actually, many, many deaths. Just to remind you, Romans 6 say, the wages of sin is death. The ultimate price that Christ paid for our life eternal. And so here I was, surrounded by so many deaths each week and each month, and I thought the search was over. I chased after my curiosity all the way to death. I mean, from blessing the child who was just brought into this world to blessing a patient out of his old and frail body onto his new body in the kingdom of heaven, I have experienced, you know, human life other than my own. Then I I began to realize uh, the reason why I felt unfinished with my pursuit of answers is because the question I was asking all along was actually not why do we suffer, but rather when we do suffer. In 1981, a rabbi um, named Harold Kushner wrote a book, and it was called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. In his book, he concluded that God was not all-powerful. I could not agree with him. It doesn't sit well with me. But I liked how he threw his question because it it takes a problem-solving attitude. When bad things happen to good people like, you know, myself— What do I do? I mean, and how do I do what I do to get through? What I have realized over the years is that the questions we ask are often driven by our emotions and feelings. When we experience something in life that affects us physically or emotionally, we seek logical answers. We do this because we would like to go back to our emotions and feelings that were caused by that experience and either stop them if it was painful or extend them if it was joyful. In my case, I asked myself, why do we suffer and why do bad things happen to good people? Not to find logical answers, but more to find ways to stop or reduce that pain and suffering. So for myself, I changed the question from why to when, from why to 
how and from why to what. And this is also what I personally suggest to a lot of my hospice patients because many of them do wonder about, you know, why am I in this position? Um, unfortunately, as we have seen right before in this room, bad things do happen to good people all the time. Um, how we decide what good people is for some other time to discuss, um, but I can safely say that most people I know in my life are good, or at least they try to be good most of the times. King David, even though we know he killed many people in battles and had done some ugly things, was called a man after God's own heart. He made mistakes, I mean, he, he was human, but he tried to be good. And yet we find him in this dire situation in today's scripture. Psalm 13 is one of many, many lament psalms. The word psalm actually means praise. So it is quite ironic to know that almost 40% of psalms are laments, basically prayers of sadness, prayers of grievances. It's as if psalms reflect human conditions, life filled with tribulations. Lament psalms are often in the form of a dialogue between the psalmist and the God. As David has done in Psalm 13, the psalmist starts his prayer with a complaint or a petition. When you read through many of those lament psalms, you, you can't but notice how strong and almost bold those complaints are. For instance, Psalm 44 demands God to wake up. It's, it's not a usual language we would hear in worship services, not only because they're bold, but because many lament psalms were very personal. It, um, they, they were the kind of prayers you would say behind locked doors with tears pouring out of your eyes. But that is not the end of lament psalms. What I find most fascinating is the transformation that takes place in the psalmist's heart as she engages in this sorrowful prayer. Almost all lament psalms follow a certain pattern. What we need to pay attention to is that it ends with one's expression of confidence in God and often praises. It's even more peculiar to know that the prayer itself does not change anything in the moment. Unlike many miracle stories in the Bible, lament psalms do not accompany any drastic change in reality. However, it does accompany a change of heart, a change in one's spirit. How is that so? Could it, you know, just be an expression of positive psychology? It partly is. But positive psychology does not address one's relationship and interaction with God. Lament Psalms capture not only positive psychology, but the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Let's turn to David again. After crying out to God and requesting him to answer and also giving God a mini threat that he will sleep the sleep of death, 
meaning he would die if, he, you know, if God doesn't help, David calms down. Then come these words. I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David reconnects with the source of his strength. He remembers that he has faith in God. Then he remembers hope. Lastly, he remembers God's love that has been shown to him through his life. When and how do you think this change of heart and attitude took place? I say in his dialogue with God. One may ask, it's, isn't it more like a monologue? I mean, I don't see God's response in this prayer. I believe that the Holy Spirit touched David's heart through his prayer so he could regain his strength. I see that as a sure sign of God's response. God creates a new heart in us through the Holy Spirit. Now that leads to another question. I'm a very inquisitive person myself, so I have to ask myself a lot of questions to make sense out of things. What if David didn't have a change of heart? What does that mean? The practice of creating space in your heart for the Holy Spirit is as the word itself says, a practice. Just as talking to God, you know, needs to be practiced on a daily basis, paying attention to God's whisper also needs to be practiced. Also, we need to remember that Christ spent his ministry on earth creating a community so we could be there for one another, even, even as Many lament psalms were created in privacy. It entered the Israelite culture and was shared among many, and they were recited privately as, as well as in groups. So here I am with, with these two tools called lament prayer and community to stop or at least reduce suffering and to comfort people whom, you know, to whom bad things happened would these tools actually help? Yes, I would say to a certain degree, but probably not completely. Realistically, we'll get over one hump and then there will come another one, you know, one day again. I mean, life, that, that's life. So how about I ask another question? With these tools, will the process of life be worth it? I say definitely, because with these tools, you will not be just going through the motions of surviving tribulations, but you'll actually be building relationships with God and, and people around you. Let me close with a short story. This, this very Friday, um, I met this man in, um, in the hospital. He was in his mid-50s, and he had dealt with Lou Gehrig's disease all his life. He was on a ventilator, ready to be extubated, as his lungs and his vital organs, they started giving out due to, you know, his disease progression. He, oh my gosh, if it's you, unbelievable, you have, 
I mean, he had the brightest eyes and such a beautiful smile. And, you know, as a chaplain, I supported him and his family as they said goodbyes to each other. Um, was it painful to watch? Oh, absolutely. We all cried. Not only us, but the hospital staff, they all cried. Did my prayer miraculously heal him? No, it did not. Still, after he passed, I walked out of the hospital with hope because I witnessed incredible love and faith. It was the love among family. It was the love from the hospital staff and it was the love of God manifested through care to this man by all who were present in that room. And also it was the faith of this gentleman that he will soon face God in God's glory. So I, I kept on, you know, to my next dying patient, even as I was tired and sad. When bad things happen to you, lament. When bad things happen to you, seek community. Hold on to God and remember how God himself went through our experience in the incarnation of Christ. I must mention how Jesus ends a saying in John 16. Jesus said in John 16, in the world you will have tribulation. And then he added, take heart, I have overcome the world. And I would like to add another comment to this. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world, and so will you in me. Let us pray. Dear God, our supporter, we have gathered before you this day to receive your spirit and your words. You have given us all of you because you love us. God, let your encouragement, your teaching, and your support Settle in our hearts and minds. Give us strength as we move forward in our life. Protect and guide us as we get through challenging times. Give us the voice to lament. And lastly, show us your love. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.